If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Welcome to a brand new season of Growing Up With Galdem. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Nyala Arboyne, and I'm the life editor at Galdem. And I'm Natty Kasimvala, former editor and longtime contributor at Galdem. Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to sharing the perspectives of people of colour from marginalised genders. Each week, we invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Natalie Lee began her career as a midwife before embarking on her blog journey with Style Me Sunday. With more than 100,000 followers on Instagram, she has grown her platform from a blog to a brand, reaching women across a wide variety of mediums. 
Natalie is the co-host of the Everything Project podcast, and she has taken part in a television project about women's quest for better orgasms, where she had an orgasm on TV. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Natalie. So excited to chat to you and talk all about your extract. But I figured we should start with a little conversation about the Warrior Woman Project that you founded. Could you tell us all a little bit about that project and working with Dove to kind of have it realised? Thank you for having me, by the way. I'm really, really excited to chat to you today. Yeah, the Warrior Women Project, that was a few years ago now, and it was probably my first sort of exercise in helping me with my body confidence. Basically, I was trying to help myself with other people to just feel better in their bodies. And it was kind of like before the whole body positivity movement online, before it was a big thing anyway. And it just really, just really, really helped and resonated with a lot of people. And Dove were really good. They came in last minute and helped me not bankrupt myself. So that was good. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was the first sort of big event, a big thing that I ever did incredible on your amazing blog you've said that many of the women have had lifelong self-esteem issues and stripping off in front of the camera in the presence of a lot of other people was not something that was going to be easy to do why was it important for them to you know strip off in front of the camera oh that's a really good question I think it is just about On the day, we were really sort of supportive and provided a really safe environment for people to feel like they could strip away the layers and strip away the mask and just be themselves and not have to like hold their stomach in or pose a certain way. Yeah, it just enabled people to be free of that for however long they were there for. And that was something that many people had never experienced before. So it was just a real sort of empowering moment for them, I think. And yeah, that added sort of thing of having cameras there and other people there just kind of really amplifies that feeling. Because when you're doing it at home in the mirror, it's really tough already. But There's something about having other people there who are supportive and encouraging that just hammers that message home a little bit more. Mm, It's a very, oh, what was the word I was looking for? Very admirable (laughs) effort. I totally hear you when you say, you know, even at home, it can be this kind of obstacle to face. And thinking about your, I guess, your earlier years and what led you up to the Warrior Woman Project and the work that you've done ever since as well. What would you say were some of the kind of things that you were taught about your body and how to relate to it growing up? Oh, God, I mean, so much. It's really hard to start. I think overall, the main thing I was taught was that my body wasn't good enough. I think I was taught that I needed to buy things in order to make it better. I was taught never... I don't remember ever feeling completely happy with my body. There was a lack of acceptance. And I think that will be a theme that runs through most people's lives. 
especially women. In terms of my blackness, I never felt that that was accepted. And I think when I was younger, I always tried to sort of dumb my blackness down in a sense, because I'm mixed. I've got a white mum and a black dad. And I really struggled with that identity. I didn't have much connection with the black side of my family. So there was just a complete sort of lack of belonging, lack of acceptance and lack of ownership. I think they will be the overarching themes of how I felt about myself and my body. Mm -hmm. And I guess... For most people, it's probably an ongoing journey, but how have you found a way to accept yourself? And what does acceptance look like for you now in both kind of like your body and your blackness? I think you're right in saying that it is going to be like a long journey and it's a lifetime. It's a journey of a lifetime. It will, I will never stop catching myself or trying to heal and grow from all of the messages that I've been sent throughout my whole life. I think for me, a very pivotal moment was having children. I think I then started to really reevaluate all of the negative messages that I had got. I started to reevaluate them because I could see things differently now that I had children. And I was like, they're seeing things for the first time. And it made me question whether those messages were true, whether they were real, whether they were good and bad. So they gave me a real avenue to have another perspective on things. And that was a very transformational kind of experience for me that continues today. I want to continue keep questioning everything all of those little tiny messages that have before been so unconscious I've I've just never questioned stuff you know that's just the way it was and now I get to really think about it because I'm like hold on do I want my children to have that imposed on them so it's great I think that's such a refreshing perspective that it's like kind of taken for granted. I think when it comes to parenthood, often there's such an emphasis on like tradition and to a certain extent, subconsciously passing on things that you might have suffered with just by virtue of like being a human, you know, and being fallible in that way. But yeah, it's something that you've talked about in the past in terms of your motherhood and wanting to make sure that your kids feel free in this world and I wanted to hear a bit more about some of the ways that you try to reinforce that freedom in your kids as they grow up when it comes to you know all types of identity issues or not issues but just topics really what are some of the ways that you try to instill that in them yeah there's lots of ways I think one of the most sort of basic ways is just to try not to assume things like we are so full of assumptions these days Uh, not these days like we have been forever like heterosexuality is the norm whiteness is the norm and I'm really trying to catch myself or when we're watching telly for example and a scene comes up I don't want to assume that 
they're going to have a relationship or that they're going to want to get married to a man. That's just, that's just so basic and something that hardly anyone of my generation does. Like we don't question it. We're just like, people often come up to my children and talk about, you know, when you get married or bloody meeting a boy. And I'm just like, no, no. Don't assume things. Why would you assume that? And then there's other ways, like really trying hard to take away the shame from things. Shame about our body, shame about sex and things like that. So one of the ways I do this is to make sure that we're talking about our body parts and naming them the correct names like vulva and vagina and not using what what did i use i think i used the word mini when i was a kid and fufu and stupid like just awful names like that i'm like no i think mine was front bottom <laughs> <laughs> yeah natty what about yours what was yours i think i've blacked them all out <laughs> i literally can't even think of one <laughs> too much drama <laughs> There are so many names for the vulva and vagina. It's ridiculous. How many names do you have for a leg? It's just a body part. Let's just call it what it is. And if we are like thinking about all these roundabout bloody words to to name things, then that's showing our children that there's shame attached to it because we're scared of calling it what it is. So these things, I'm like re-educating myself and really trying to push that kind of narrative of taking away the shame. And especially with things like self-pleasure and stuff, I talk to them often that your body is yours and it's absolutely okay for you to go in private and touch yourself and stuff. And I I mean, I know they get pissed off with me talking about it all the time because... um, They say so, but (laughs) I'm just, uh, it's really important for me to maybe, because I'm trying so hard to take away the embarrassment and the shame that I felt growing up, maybe I'm going the other way because I'm like overdoing it a bit, but um, it's really important to me that they don't feel shamed of their body. Yeah, I think it's super important to have those kind of honest conversations with children from a young age. Before we move on, I would love to know a bit more about your ADHD. I also have ADHD and found out in adulthood, which I think a lot of other black women did as well. Yeah, I'd love to know a bit more about it and how it's kind of shaped your routine and your relationship with yourself. Wow. So I had a late diagnosis. I was like 40. I'm 41 now. And it has turned everything on its head. It just explains so much. I just now have such a deeper understanding of myself. And sometimes I get my head into a bit of a tangle because I'm like, what is ADHD and what is actually my personality? I don't know the answers to that often. But it has been a huge thing for me in terms of like the self-acceptance and my self-esteem. I now kind of realise that I'm not 
lazy, I'm not stupid, that I work in a certain way. And some of the things that I do, now I know that I'm not going to remember that appointment. So I have to write everything down straight away. There's like these tags that you can put on things that if you lose them, you can look on your phone and it shows you where it is. Well, that's a lifesaver for me because I lose everything about a hundred times a day. But so it's just little coping mechanisms like that. Now that I have an understanding, I don't like bury my head in the sand anymore and go, no, you'll remember this. You'll definitely remember this. And so many times people would turn up to my door and I would have no idea about the conversation that we'd had and the amount of times I've missed appointments and stuff. Yeah, that's so interesting and so true. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's time to get into your extract. Could you read it out for us, please? I walked out of the dermatologist's office, having just been told that the hair follicles were dead and there's no hope of them growing back. Apparently people with African and Caribbean descent have less hair shafts than Caucasians, meaning that they are more susceptible to hair loss. 
I'm not usually an emotionally expressive person, but after I came out of his office, I cried openly in the street as people walked past me. I was on my own. I dropped off the kids at school earlier and had almost skipped along to the dermatologist after being referred by my GP a couple of weeks before. I was feeling positive, hopeful even, that I'd get some answers and be able to take a load of high-dose vitamins and my hair would slowly start growing back. After all, I'm otherwise healthy, never had any hair loss issues before, never known any in my family with alopecia, so I was pretty confident it could be fixed easily. We'd had a really difficult year that year, in fact the worst year of my life so far, and I was convinced my hair loss was due to the stress. Our daughter was diagnosed with a rare condition called brittle cornea syndrome. She was rapidly losing her eyesight one of the main features of the syndrome. Countless operations and loss of expectations, the change of life as we knew it, and dealing with a very unsympathetic and unsupportive school that we would eventually have to move our daughter away from, from her friends. All of this culminated in what I will always look back on as a very, very traumatic time. When I first noticed my hair starting to become thinner around the hairline at the front and the sides, I was not entirely surprised. After all, I knew that stress and hair loss were linked. The doctor told me it was traction alopecia and that stress doesn't help. I had abused my hair for many years, straightening my thick afro hair from the age of seven or eight pulling it back as tight as I could. I never liked my hair, always wanted easy straight hair. Hair that didn't have to be painfully combed or plaited so tightly that my scalp would hurt for days or burn due to the harsh chemicals I used on it to make it more manageable. I had grown up thinking my hair was something I had to endure because that's something that I had to deal with and put a lot of time and effort plus a bit of pain into, if I wanted it to look half decent and fit in. Luckily enough, two years prior to sitting in the dermatologist's office, I had turned a corner and actually started to embrace my natural hair. I cut off all the chemicals that I had paid many thousands of pounds over the years to inflict on my follicles and sat in countless hairdressers for hours upon hours in many uncomfortable chairs, indulging in small talk, which I hate with a passion. I cut it all out and started again. My girls hated it. When I walked through the door with my boy haircut, I didn't like it much either, but I was determined to give my hair a break, grow it and see what happens. As it started growing, I began to like it more and more, even more than how it looked. I loved the freedom it gave me. I no longer had to clear a good five or six hours from a day to sit in a hairdresser's chair that I detested going to. I also didn't have to worry about getting it wet anymore and the dreaded minimum two-hour hair blow-drying it took afterwards. I suddenly started to feel empowered because I was starting to love my natural hair and I was role-modelling to my two young, impressionable girls that I loved myself exactly as I had been made. I was no longer trying to change myself. So here I am now, my alopecia is getting worse, things have settled down at home, my daughter's condition is stabilised for the time being, the kids have settled into an amazing new school, have made lots of new friends and we get a lot of support. 
When I have my hair out, you can't always see my alopecia, but if it's windy, even when there's a tiny bit of wind or as I walk and my hair blows back away from my face, if I have it plaited or put in a ponytail, it's easy to see. It looks odd. At least I think it does. I've spoken about it on my Instagram feed, which has given me some much needed confidence. I've gotten comments such as you look beautiful, even if you had no hair. And that does help. But the reality is that could happen. It is happening. However, I desperately don't want it to happen. I finally started to love my big, beautiful Afro hair and I don't want to lose it now. I could investigate hair transplantation or wearing hair pieces, but I'm reluctant to because it's very expensive and I've never seen anyone in it with the media that it looks good on. And I think if really rich people can't have it done well, then how can I? The main thing now is that I realise there is no easy fix. I knew of people with alopecia that I'd read about before and I wondered why they didn't just do something about it. I thought surely there's treatment out there to fix it in this age of advanced medicine. Well, now I know there's no easy solution and many, many people all over the world suffer from hair loss. It can affect your self-esteem, your emotional well-being and how you look and how others look at you. Most importantly for me, it's the lack of control. I have very little say in what happens to my hair from now on. I'm taking vitamins and rubbing castor oil into the scalp daily, but every time I check my hair, the bald patches get worse and essentially there's not much I can do about it. However, I'm determined not to let it get me down and hide away. Whatever happens, I will deal with it. I will keep talking about it and will keep raising awareness to help other sufferers to not feel ashamed whilst keeping an ear out for any solutions that might come along someday. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. What does it feel like to kind of look back on this extract some five years later? I guess reading those words, I felt quite naive. The words I was saying, it was just, yeah, I've I've come quite a long way since then. I, I understand a lot more. I now know that castor oil definitely doesn't work. And I have a very different perception of myself, I think. I can remember feeling like having my hair cut off made me feel less feminine and less like a woman at that time. Now, I think I'm much more comfortable in my sexuality and my gender and I would never say something like that now yeah just listening to you speak I just feel like there's so much we hold in our hair especially if you're black it just yeah brought up a lot for me at least um but you mentioned in that extract that straightening your thick afro hair from the age that you were straightening your thick afro hair from the age of seven or eight do you kind of remember what kind of messaging you were receiving about your natural hair at that time? Yeah, just that it was thick and unmanageable or just really difficult to control. To Every time I went to the hairdressers, I remember the hairdresser telling me how much hair I had and how thick it was and how difficult it was for them to do. You know, I used to feel almost apologetic about my hair to the to the hairdressers I was almost ashamed of like this 
low, having loads of hair and the thickness and how long it was. And it was like, I was a problem. I felt like it was my issue. It's a hard, hard relate. I mean, I really relate to just the idea of hating the small talk alone <laughs> of going to the hairdresser. I used to like cry when my mum would drop me off with like my one magazine. I'd be like, don't leave me here. But it's it's really interesting that the messages of course come from, you know, like mainstream media, but they can also be so internalised that they are coming from people whose literal job it is to deal with <laughs> with hair. Like no one forced you to become a hairdresser, but here you are hating the fact that we have hair. And I think... Like we've said before, like black women's relationship with hair is so complex and so nuanced. People write songs about it and make films about it. But I wanted to hear a bit more about the flip side of that. And when you kind of turn that corner to start to embrace your hair and experience it in this different way. Do you remember what kind of sparked that for you and what it felt like to kind of start that separate journey to loving it again? I think, again, it must it will go back to the like the kid thing and seeing it through their eyes and how I, you know, if I didn't accept myself and love themselves, how can I expect them to? That was a real sort of turning point for me. But going back to the, like, what you said about people's who job it is, it was also like, I could understand why the white side of my family didn't get my hair and found it difficult to manage. But then going to a hairdresser's and then having people who were black tell me that it was difficult was like, fuck's sake, like, when am I ever going to get a break? When is anyone going to be okay with me and my hair? But yeah, there was that, that kind of, just when I started trying to change my hair and just really started to embracing it, it it felt so good. If I, I wasn't ashamed anymore, I wasn't hiding anymore, wasn't trying to cover up the natural texture of my hair. And slowly I just really started to embrace it. Yeah, I completely feel you on it being really painful when it's also coming from other black people. Kind of realising how that it's internalised generationally in so many of us and like going to get braids and then being like, it'd be better if you permed your hair first it make it easier and it just feels like an uphill struggle which is it's really hard to kind of come to terms with I wanted to know because you were talking about the castor oil and I feel like from a few years ago that was like the height of like the natural hair movement were there any other things that you are kind of now looking back on and thinking yeah that made no sense or that's just based in complete fiction I feel like I'm at that place now <laughs> When you start to talk about alopecia on social media, you get so many people's opinions weighing in and like, have you tried this product? Have you tried that product? I just wanted to try them all. I I can't even remember the names of them now. Or there was definitely, I used, I got sent quite a lot of shampoos and things. And I was like, I'll give it a go, but... I don't see how a shampoo is going to, like, make the hair follicles naturally come back. But I tried it anyway. You just want to try everything. And then I think there was definitely, I I was told to take certain vitamins, like, for hair and skin and stuff. Um, I tried that. But you know what? Eventually I was just like, 
this ain't going to work. This just isn't going to work. There's no, like, science behind it. There's no evidence behind it. What's the point? And, and I guess I'm interested in, like, yeah, in the five years since this kind of first discovery and that, and as you say, this kind of relationship with these trial and errors and experimentation to try and, I guess, regain control in a sense, as much as it is about the result, it's also about just like doing what you can, like you say. Yeah, what's your journey been like kind of accepting it since then? And where would you say you're at today? I don't think I will say that I'm ever completely like comfortable with the hair loss. I would never say that I'm completely embracing it and I completely unashamed of it. I will show it. I will, I, I definitely do show it. And also I forget about it a lot more now. And also I think it fluctuates, you know, just like our confidence fluctuates, the amount of acceptance I have for it fluctuates as well. Sometimes I'm just feeling generally down on myself and feeling a bit like a victim. And then other days I'm feeling really empowered and feeling like, fuck it all. It's definitely less of a concern now. I'm like, I've got other things that are a lot more important that have taken over that are going on in my brain. It's not something that is just like at the forefront of my brain all the time now. Lastly, what would you say some of the biggest misconceptions about black hair are? Hmm, good question. Biggest misconceptions. I think for me, the biggest misconception was that black hair wasn't beautiful. I think that really, oh, it, it, that actually makes me feel emotional just saying that out loud because of how much I hated my hair as a kid. My hair is beautiful. Our hair is beautiful. And yes, it, we, you know, we deal with it differently to Caucasian hair. But it's just a different texture. It doesn't make it any less beautiful, any less worthy. And that's not the norm, you know. That's not the fucking baseline for how hair should be or is. So I think that's my biggest misconception and something that I really want to instill in my children, that your hair is beautiful. Definitely agree. I could literally talk about this conversation forever because I just think it's, and I think especially over the last few years as well, so many people have kind of learned and started to finally feel like at ease. Maybe it's the t- like having the time over lockdown or just being able to explore and learn about hair can make it feel so much less daunting, like less of a burden. So I think this is such, is such an interesting conversation. I would be interested to hear what your biggest misconceptions about black hair are because I just I want to I want to learn I want to I think for me mine is it's I mean I totally agree with yours and I think my second one is like that it needs to be controlled I think that that's like such a big kind of like marketing tool that's used in terms of like unruly hair and oh man unmanageable and you know like use three million styling products in order to make it do exactly what you want it to do instead of listening to it and I think I've had a similar hair journey of kind of like having my mum relaxing it her regretting it chopping it all off being natural going back to relaxer and then being like 
this is the worst thing ever for me personally. And I think the day that I like started to learn how my hair like needs to be treated and what my hair's going to do naturally and just leaning into that was when I stopped fighting with it <laughs> and being like, oh, I want to do this slick bun look, but like my hair doesn't want, my, my hair's not feeling it. Therefore my hair does not like, let's just start working in together in harmony instead of like kind of being at odds with each other. So yeah, I think my biggest misconception is that like, it's something that needs to be like toned down or controlled or like put in place when it's, it does so much more than like what like silky two-way hair can do. No shade, no tea. What about you, Nye? <laughs> I'd definitely say mine is about hair length and how that links to my idea of like femininity, my sexuality, my gender, all those things kind of together and understanding maybe we're not meant to have really long hair and that is okay. I used to wear lots of like protective styles, but really I was just using that as an excuse because I felt like a lot of my beauty lied with having long hair and then the pandemic happened and I was like that's it I'm getting locks and now I have like a short bob of locks and it's like the best I've ever felt in myself kind of coming to term with my understanding of my beauty and who I am and that has no relationship to the length of my hair essentially yeah. Oh I love those answers they're beautiful I really love those. I also think you know I really have a issue with the term frizzy it's on a lot of packaging and and it's used as something that is not good and not anything but having frizzy hair and I have a real issue with this I think I don't I don't know what the solution is but just like let's stop demonizing frizzy hair (laughs) oh my god I completely agree the the language when you go into a beauty store, a beauty store in quotation marks, and you look at the language that is used to describe products for, like, curly hair, it's, like, it's it's almost immoral. It is actually immoral, in a sense, because it's these things that are completely natural, completely not ethical, ba- ethics-based, and they use na- language that literally, like, demonises and makes these things seem like they are problems to be solved instead of, like, really amazing, fascinating, beautiful natural things and I sound like a little bit like a hotep right now but (laughs) it is (laughs) the language is really really insidious and I think it starts there you know it starts with the frizzy coarse unmanageable hair that's what this product's for to tame you and I oh Naya I so so agree with the length thing as well I think like even just the ways that we use like length retention and like oh hair length check I have to drag my hair down here to see how long it is but my hair is never down here so what does it matter what it looks like when it's here sorry for those listening I'm I'm pulling my hair it's endless Mm, it is it is thank you that this has been really loved this chat thank you so much thank you and just to round it off I guess like what advice would you give to your younger self if you could either that younger self who is kind of grappling with coming to terms with her hair or the self who kind of just discovered this new journey that they're going to be on to accepting a curveball that's been thrown into that hair journey? I think the advice would be to stop bending and twisting and putting yourself into the most difficult situations and to feel accepted. 
you are perfect as you are. I know it sounds so cliche, but I just thought I needed to change myself to be to be accepted and I didn't I really didn't I needed to I needed to embrace who I was and finally what would your younger self think about where you are now I think my younger self would be like whoa you did all right you did good well done because Right now I'm I'm happy, I'm single, I'm embracing who I am, I'm embracing my sexuality, I'm embracing my blackness, and I feel I feel good. I feel good about me. So that's all that's all I ever wanted, really. It doesn't mean I you know, money's great and having a house and kids and all that shit is good, but I just wanted to feel happy in myself. And I do. I really do now. That's incredible. Thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. Thank you. That was such a refreshing conversation. Honestly, I love having honest conversations about black hair. It's weird. I feel like I don't do it that often, if that makes sense. But it's something I think about Mm. all the time. (laughs) All the time. But I don't feel like we or I... I'm always in conversation about how I feel about it and like my own journey with it. I just occasionally post a picture of my hair on Instagram and consider that healing. (laughs) It's hard to engage with it all the time. Sometimes, Mm. yeah, because we've been thinking about it since, I don't know, our understanding of thought. So it's like... (laughs) Of self. (laughs) (laughs) It was lovely to hear her kind of talking about it as a parent and how Mm. you're going to teach or unteach those kind of learnings we've had about our hair yeah I feel like I said in the chat I think but like so refreshing I love hearing parents talk about like how their kids have changed them but I especially love hearing parents talk about like learning in parenthood rather Mm. than just like enforcing and I think her daughters are very lucky to have someone who's kind of like very open to that journey with them definitely And it's a reminder that it is a journey. It's like, I used to think there's going to be a place where I'm like, I've reached Nirvana and I'm going to have the perfect idea Mm. about my hair and I've finally made it. But it's like, that's not really like a reality. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. I definitely feel the same. I think you probably witnessed like the small bits of it on this call (laughs) where I start my call, pretty much every call with my hair down and by about halfway through every call my hair is in a bun and like no matter how much I feel comfortable with like taking care of my hair or like talking about my hair there will just be weird little things like kind of like Natalie said where you have to catch yourself and be like oh it's actually okay if your hair doesn't like lay down perfectly on your shoulders or like doesn't touch this part of your back all of those little things that you kind of are so ingrained in you so internalized and we're like unlearning so it's yeah it's great to actually chat about that and like remember we're all kind of feeling the same way. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favourite brands and partners, early access to tickets for Gaudem events, an advanced copy of our annual print issue, and so much more. Make sure you're following us on all major social media, at Gaudemzine for the latest independent news and culture. Or visit our online website, which is gal-dem.com. 
Don't forget, if you love this episode of Growing Up with Galdem, be sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 